Listen here, folks. We've got the uh, Illuminati on one side, and we got the globalists on the other side. <laughs> I'm tired of all these people coming <laughs> into my world. Them dirty demons. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, globalists, you will receive my rights over my cold, dead corpse, okay? <laughs> Listen to me, John Travolta. I, I want to get you into the ring and fight you bare knuckle. I will break your nose, I will break your teeth, and I will break your neck. That's what he said one time. Have you ever seen that? Video? I have no idea what you're talking about. Alex Jones got mad that... Uh, no, got mad that Alec Baldwin portrayed Trump oh, yeah. on SNL. And then Alec Baldwin, as Trump was like, uh, you can check out my uh, my newest presidential information on Infowars.com. And so then Alex Jones got really mad. And he was like, Alec Baldwin, I want to get you in the ring. Bare knuckle. Okay. I will break your nose. I will break your teeth and I will break your neck. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk to you about Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, folks. Uh. It, it, we're in a time period where uh, we just aren't, aren't sure about anything, which is why I use all American skin cream. <laughs> yeah, it literally is like that. You're just like, wait a minute, what? It's like there's a lot of skin creams out there made by these corrupt corporations. Uh, I'm talking about all American skin cream made locally here. Uh, makes you feel beautiful, makes you shine. Uh, it's exfoliating, moisturizing, and uh, you, you know it's made in the good USV. Order it now. Yeah. You guys ready to go? Let's yeah, go. Yeah, buddy. I'm Zach. I'm Colin. And I'm Bob. And welcome, welcome to, to the House Plants Podcast. Podcast. Woo! What are we here to talk about? Particularly one of these three things, but let's see if our listeners can guess. So it's either uh, music, music, media, media the or the mission of, of Jesus. Jesus. I'll give you a hint. It also starts with M. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about... And it's probably already seen by the title of this episode. Talking about uh, movies this time. Movies. Um, so, it's another great movie episode. Um, this is going to be a little bit different kilter mm-hmm. than what we've mm-hmm. done, but uh, uh, this will be kind of a casual because we've done doing some cool heavy-handed topics lately, been talking to cool guests, and uh, so it's every... Uh, you know, like we said, it's always fun to take a break and do some... Uh, Focus on other things. So before we get going, we're going to do an awesome worship song. And Zach, right. why don't you tell us a little bit yeah. about this one? This one is called Wyoming. And it is not. Zach, can I ask you, though? It's not simply about a state. Can I ask you, though? What? Wyoming. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Wyoming. And why not are, another why one. are we oming? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Good. So, uh, uh, yeah. Let, let me ask first. What does the word Wyoming reference in your song? So um, I wrote this kind of drawing on the imagery of the time that I took a trip with my dad through uh, Wyoming and South Dakota and Eastern Wyoming is like nothingness. And especially when it's snowing, it's basically like a big whiteout. The cowboy state. Yeah. Apparently. The cowboy state affectionately called the cowboy. Yeah. state. <laughs> yeah. That's a great movie reference yeah. that Bob hasn't seen, but right. I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> But since there's nothing there, um, that was kind of the image that I went back to whenever I read um, Psalm 63, I will seek you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Um, and so I just thought about that whole like high plains prairie that we drove yeah. through and I wrote a song about it. 
That's awesome. Um, so I, I will say that I'm familiar with this one. This is a major uh, ZKB throwback, and yeah. it's definitely one of my favorites. I love yeah. this one. Probably wrote this one, uh, gosh, like 11 years ago or so. So. It's funny because this is one of the ones I didn't get to play with you as much. I think you probably wrote it. It wasn't a worship song, so we didn't do it like at the BCM all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to perfect that special music slot. Most yeah. uh, worship services. Anyway. I should say it's not congregational. It's, it is worshipful. It's based on the Psalm 63. Yeah. yeah. So It's kind of like my, what is that one uh, that I just <laughs> I can't even think the name of it. Uh, Dust in the Ground. It's not really like a worship song yeah. or anything, but right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's yeah. worship. So here we go. Is greater than the 
this life I can hope to live So I will lift my hands Enter through a hole in the snow fence Closes behind I can see the plains burning Begging for an ounce of water on their tongues But will you sustain me? Here in Wyoming Wyoming If I travel far, if I left my home, if I follow the tracks just to reach you alone, when I needed help, when I needed life, when you picked me up and you raised me high, if I drop my bags and I run to you, will you welcome me? Through a hole in the snow fence Closes behind Well done. Amazing song, of course. Um, it's always good to bring it back, and I enjoy. Good. Yeah, I enjoy getting to do piano fills. So um, let's just uh, get this uh, show on the road here. Before we pray, I'll just say that um, uh, 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 we've been kind of receiving. My family has been receiving some prayer requests, so I will just um, throw some of them out. We have some health problems in my family. 
but we also have a lot of depression mm. going around with my friend circle and stuff. So that's understandable. And uh, so I think uh, whoever prays, if we can just pray for like the mental health of of our uh, community of of uh, the people of the world, because. Depression yeah. rears its head in different ways. Sometimes it's like immediate shocking and sometimes it just like creeps in over a few weeks. Yeah. Well, and especially with everything going on right now, it's right. really easy to exacerbate those problems. Yeah. So, yeah. so I figured I'd put it. It sounds like it might be your turn though. Is it my turn? Okay. Yeah, that's, I was thinking the same that thing. That sounds right. Okay. Know? Well, I don't mind to pray. And since I get to pray, I guess. Sounds I like God was giving you something on your heart to pray about. So. Well, here we go. Yeah. God, um, I just want to pray tonight for everybody who has found themselves overwhelmed by the situation or underwhelmed by their life right now. Um, there is a time when uh, we need to step back and remember that this isn't the normal life that we were meant to live. Um, and so, God, I pray that we could rely on you. I pray that we could uh, rely on the people close to us uh, with wisdom. Um, the God, I, I want to pray for the mental state of this nation, of this world. And I want to pray that uh, you would be a part of what we're doing on the podcast and uh, be with those people who need you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so. What are we talking about? We're talking about movies, but media. Ah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but specifically, uh, what we were we decided would be fun since everybody has these like hot takes, you know, like oh, here's the secret thing, psh, psh, psh. you know, that's my hot take sound effect, right? Psh, psh, psh. Uh, before we <laughs> before we get started on what this actually is, Zach, can can you and me discuss and explain to the audience our secret theories on both DreamWorks <laughs> and Pixar, really mm. quick? Okay, well, because it's Pixar, pertinent to what we're okay. going to talk about. So the Pixar one is relatively well known. Like it's not really our theory. Oh, okay. Well, we, but we made a version of the Pixar theory for DreamWorks. So the for Pixar DreamWorks. theory is that all Pixar movies are telling one complete story. It starts with um, magic, or it starts and ends rather with Brave, where yeah. um, Boo from Monsters Inc. is actually the witch in Brave, and so it uh, begins with magic. And then eventually over time, technology becomes sentient. They turn mm -hmm. into cars, yep. they turn into Wally -E, and right. humanity is sent off planet for a while. And then in Wally, right. Wally's -E, -E kind of the eschaton in uh, Pixar where humanity kind of comes back and dwells it on resets. Earth. Right. I mean, in yeah. a way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we were coming up with a DreamWorks one. So here's it has to do with animals. It does. It? So yeah. here's the DreamWorks one. The DreamWorks one. Uh, if you incorporate every single DreamWorks uh, uh, animated CG, feature, animated or CG feature, mm -hmm. you get this tale uh, at different timeline points where animals have a certain level of higher intelligence. Mm -hmm. So if you look at something like uh, Shrek, Shrek, for example, at that point, the animals can kind of talk. Mm hmm. So maybe donkey is the progenitor. Well, well even because he, well, you also have the pigs. No, no, I'm saying animals yes, in yeah, that, yeah. but yes, animals in that can but, but, talk, but they are not considered the like alpha race or anything. Sure, but but, but even then, they, it was very rare for them to talk because when Donkey at the very beginning gets the the potion, you know, right. the, the, the dust, like he can fly, he can fly, he can fly, he can, he can talk. talk. <laughs> so just like so, just like what uh, Zach was saying, progenitor. That might yeah. be our progenitor story for the talking animals. Yeah. Before then, there were things like um, Road to El Dorado. 
So in Road to El Dorado, which is before the timeline of Shrek or anything, which is like yeah. ancient, uh, would be like the 1400s, mm-hmm. I suppose. Sure. You had horses and uh, uh, armadillos and things like that. That They're pro- slightly sentient, pro- though. Proje- mm-hmm. uh, projecting uh, sentience in higher intelligence, well, and, you know, but they this, did not speak. This even goes back to biblical times with Moses, you know. Well, think about this. Right? The very, very first Prince of smarter Egypt. Prince of Egypt animal was... Moses's horse that's right. that he rides yeah. and it kind of follows him around. And so if we jump forward to the 1400s, so that's like a thousand years later or, or no, I guess it'd be more like 4,000 years later, but anyway, so you, you move forward and you see animals start to be really smart. Like the armadillo mm. is like, okay, I'll be a ball in uh, road to El Dorado and let you hit me into the hoop and I yeah. will help you win points. Shrek, you see the first animals talking. So then jump forward even further and you get Kung Fu Panda where <laughs> we're basically where animals. animals are the community. Yeah. So here's humans are nowhere. So what happened? Right. So what happened? Yeah. Right. So here's what happened. Here's what happened. If you go on and watch the crunks, that is the real truth telling story. Cause you notice that there are like Cro-Magnon people that were hiding in caves, oh, afraid of, of these giant monstrous animals. So here's the theory. Just like sure. cars, where there's no people left and yeah. cars are the only technology left, what happened was people almost went to extinction because the master race then became the animals that could talk yeah. and stuff, but then they became so crazy that they ended up destroying their own world, and the only thing left were like psychotic, giant, mutated versions of the animals with barely any intelligence left, resetting the dumbness of animals again, and then people In come which out. Case, they evolve. That's right. And so then the people and come they out form and they're a smart society. Again. They invent martial arts. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it makes perfect sense if you just watch all the movies. That is our springboard into oh, what we're ridiculous. going to be talking about, which is that yeah. you guys are ridiculous. We we chose a few movies that we particularly know well and like, and we're going to talk about how we kind of have seen God centric messages within them. Now, that doesn't mean that the writer necessarily yeah. openly these aren't necessarily Christian movies. They, 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 that's bar- the point. They borrow a lot of the time. That's the point. Yeah. And so, uh, for us, it'll be fun to just discuss them mm-hmm. and, and you guys can hear some of our theories. Cause we're not going to claim to have done like a, you know, a million, cause we could just take, we're just going to talk about the movies themselves. We could so just take the, the movie and yeah. we could make four episodes on one movie. Like we could right. do Indiana Jones, uh, in the, uh, last crusade yeah. for, three episodes if we really wanted to. So anyway, (laughs) the Indiana Jones ones are too easy. Anyway, they're very spiritual. Absolutely. So, so we're going to do ones that are harder. uh, You'd have to do an episode where Monty Python and the Holy Grail exists within the universe of the last crusade. Oh my goodness. Then we'd have to, we'd have some crazy. Okay. So let's just get started here because we have, um, we have our list of five and I guess I'll get us, I'll get us kicked off here. We're going to talk about the matrix first. And by the, Uh, by the matrix, I mean all three movies, because to me, it feels like just one big story. Now people have, it it is one big story. It is. (laughs) People have voiced their many, many, uh, complaints and are, you know, problems with the second and third movie. I particularly don't mind the second and third movie. I actually like them, but obviously of the three, the first one is probably by far the the strongest one. Absolutely. So, uh, let me ask you guys, when you first watched this movie, you probably were pretty young like me. This was like, I think the year 2000 is when this came out. Yeah. We made a comment about this because 
at this in the same year um left behind uh movie came out that's right yeah <laughs> and so the quality <laughs> i'm sorry nobody went to see a kirk cameron film everybody saw the matrix instead keanu uh his breakout role to <laughs> yeah, serious yeah. stuff so um i i would say that my impressions of the matrix when i was young was awesome yeah it's so cool right i was yes all the explosions like all, all, all the bullet time sixth seventh grade oh bullet time was so cool oh no i, 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 think, they, I think this was the first real major yeah. in- implementation they really kind of invented it for this movie and like yeah it got parodied so much sure because it was so groundbreaking including in shrek yeah no well uh kung pao of course the cow the cow fight where he shoots his right oh yeah bullet time udders of milk and i mean they were doing it in like super bowl commercials and stuff pass the doritos so um have you guys (laughs) rewatched it recently i've watched it pretty recently i saw it like last year bob it, 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 I'll admit it's been a little while. It's okay. been a little while. Yeah. So um, does anybody think that they the have a good theory about any kind of Christian allegory in here? Does anybody? Oh, have I, any I think it's pretty straightforward in a lot of ways. It's okay. pretty clear, um, at least the Messiah imagery. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's a character named Trinity. So <laughs> there is there's that there's too. a ship called the Nebuchadnezzar. There's mm. there's. There's a lot yeah. of minor yes. little names. And, in, and what was the name of the major of the major headquarters where they were kind Zion. of Zion. Zion. That's exactly. right. Well, to provide for those in Zion who grieve. Well, do, do you know, you know, because if we talk about like end times prophecy, we're talking about the final city where all the believers have gathered and there's like the enemies uh, all surrounding them and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so we can make that parallel connection pretty easily. Um, there's a few things, a few topics I wanted to like just okay. throw out there in the ether for everybody listening, just to see if they they understand what I'm throwing down. So unless you guys have like a, a tangent you want to run down first, I will start. But I'm gonna talk about the what I what I like to do is um symbolic elements, okay, like plot point elements of movies, uh, lining up with scripture. So here's what we're gonna talk about. So the first thing is people, the 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 understood reality of this movie is that people are slaves slash prisoners and yeah. they don't know it. And it's only when people who have been set free, free them. Yeah. That they understand that they have been imprisoned. And just like the Bible says, made into batteries. <laughs> For yeah. AI. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> so obviously the whole batteries thing, right. You know, to ru- like it's, it's, they, they have their own um, reasoning behind why they are in prison. AI decided to use uh, human bodies to power themselves. Right. That's yeah. exactly right. But yeah. this idea of human beings being imprisoned and then not understanding or realizing it until they know mm-hmm. the truth, because right. when Morpheus first tells Neo the truth, he can't handle it. And he like almost wants to like stay in the matrix. He goes like, no, I want out. And then the guy later says to him, like, if, if we knew what we were getting into, we would have told him to shove that pill up his butt. Like the whole idea that you would almost deny the truth. Yeah. Because it almost feels better to be imprisoned. The, 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 going back to the whole ignorance is bliss idea. So ignorance in the scripture, 
that one actor that's Ingers always was. like a jerk in every movie, like Memento and stuff. He's not always a jerk, but he does play like a very like he's a very wise good, butt. He's a very smart good, aleck, smart aleck antagonist yeah. kind of character. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. The thing is, he's actually a good guy in Memento, but you just don't know that. That's true. Yeah. He actually is trying to be friends with him. Yeah. But it just, yeah. Anyway, so this being imprisoned and not knowing it until you yeah. understand the truth, mm-hmm. I think is very, very parallel to the scripture because people live as a prisoner to sin. Absolutely. And it is only yeah. until they know the truth of not only Jesus, but the truth of the scripture, the truth of, uh, uh, you know, once you know the truth, because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, you then change your whole perspective on the world. And so once like if, if, if we change this and make this biblical, if I was a prisoner to sin and then was set free, yeah, I would look upon the world and see other people that were sinners and say, wow, like I'm free of this and they're not. And this is kind of like, I need to go and set them free. Uh, But it's not. And that's the only thing I would say is, is where I would grade uh, like a a grade against this. Yeah. It's not us. Right. Set them free, but we do facilitate sometimes. Right. So anyway, that's the first one. Slaves. Yeah. So I want to talk with that. um, You're, a slave and you don't know the truth kind of thing. Yeah. So there's another religion that it also parallels to. It does. And, and I want you to talk And about it's it. almost a one for one match when it comes to the matrix. Okay. Um, it's Buddhism. Yeah, I know. So uh-huh. with, with Buddhism, nothing is actually real. Like the physical world, right. not material. And, um, Buddhists have this word for suffering. It's called, uh, dukkha. And it basically means unhappiness, pain, or unsatisfactoriness. It refers to the fundamental unsatisfactoriness and right. painfulness of life. And so what their f- Buddhist philosophy says is that like, if you desire something in this earth, like you're chasing after something worldly, yeah, it's going to cause you pain mm-hmm. because ultimately everything is corrupted. I, Nothing, bl- I can agree right? with Buddhist Christians. Christians yeah. kind of believe a similar thing. Absolutely. Um, but we need to have an episode where we, yeah show yeah. <laughs> how the origins are all very like lined up. Well, a lot morality. of, a lot of other religions see some of the same problems that we do. Yeah, right. That's right. Okay. Their solution is to break is to basically free your, like Morpheus says, free, free your, your mind. mind. Yeah. So if you can realize that, Oh wait, I don't, none of this is real. Right. That's so that's why the matrix and Buddhism meshes up so well. Because yeah. Buddhism is like, I want to realize that this isn't real. So when right. I remember this isn't real, I can break free from dukkha and uh-huh. get free from this world. So moving, yeah. so th- obviously the main difference between Buddhism and Christianity is that we wholeheartedly believe in what in Jesus Christ Jesus. did. Yeah. And ours is not about what we do right or what we yeah. know. It's about our relationship. Right. And so going springboarding out of that, yeah. let's talk about the Messiah. So we have, you know, Neo is this proclaimed Messiah and the one, the one. And mm-hmm. uh, Morpheus was told that I, that he would yeah. find this Messiah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't going to be as biblical as it is. Like I said, very vague elemental stuff, yeah. like the element of this. But if you can change With the-, the Oracle to an angel or a prophet or a perhaps. prophet, perhaps. Then somebody like an angel who visits Joseph and says, listen, you need to take your kid because the yeah. kid is the son of God. 
and you need to to escape. Mm. You know, there are angels that have sp- spoken all around in Jesus's life, and there are angels before and after in the scriptures that advise very influential people in the world. Mm-hmm. So um, if we looked at the, and of course there's probably a Buddhist parallel for somebody like the Oracle as well, like Buddha maybe. Yeah. But um, the, uh, the thing that I find interesting is that when they talk about the one, when uh, Morpheus gives this little spiel in the first movie, he says, when the matrix was first created, there was a man born inside who could change anything as he saw yeah. fit. And he was the one who first freed the, the first of yeah. us. I believe that search for that man is over because I have found you. Yeah. This says to, to Neo. And if we understand the scriptures very, very well, we know that in the beginning, I, th- I believe that Jesus was with God. Jesus. Yes. Was yeah, there that's clear. And so, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, like some people yeah. great. On, I don't know. Some people say that that's a weird thing to think about, but, um, so if you think about it this way, when the world was first created and Jesus was there mm-hmm. and then the mm-hmm. covenant of meeting him again in the future and we await that time and then he comes in the gospel and then it's just, and they also talk about how he, the, the one has come like several times, but has never been able to solve the the yeah. problem. I mean, there's just a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on with that yeah. Messiah so, there. Yeah. So I think like the main difference in our, in our messianic thinking when it comes to right. um, Buddhism and Christianity, yeah. Buddhism says don't have hope because hope is just going to hurt you. But with Christianity, we believe that Jesus is the one that gives us hope. And the way that he gives us hope is that he came to us. He incarnated. Yes. He he was born inside, just like it talks about the one. I always found it really interesting that they say there was a man born inside. Like that's like the miracle of Christianity. Oh, yeah. Is that God was born inside the world. Even though he was not of the world, he came into the world. That is right. A light shining into the darkness. So So I guess guess for me, the uh, the parallel wasn't so much with Christ as much as it was more of a Moses-style figure. So explain that. Where's your thinking behind that? Well, 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 okay. Well, you got the the slavery, the people who who are enslaved. That's exactly right. Um, And so then you've got one of them who becomes... A deliverer. A deliverer who, who, who then, who rejects his role initially, Mm. does not want to be part of this. Okay, yeah. but but like it's this idea, but it's told consistently over and over. No, you you are the one. You're the chosen one. And originally, he is part of like the system. Yeah, because yeah, he is a prince. Yeah, yes. And so, and then and then he begins to take on that role and begin to begin that process of delivering them out to the promised That's land. That's interesting. Yeah, so, I think I like that better because Neo ooh. Neo obviously is not a perfect. No, he's person, not. You know? He's not. Yeah. That's what I'm. That's yeah. why I'm right. always saying these but, are vague yeah, elements. Yeah. Not yes. exactly. Oh, oh absolutely. But not but exactly parallel. but he definitely got in touch into the matrix much more. I mean, be able to like reach in into Trinity and you know like the re- okay. restarting the heart and th- things like that. It definitely yeah. have more the messianic as opposed to the deliver aspect. Well, but you remember he does perform yeah. several miracles throughout the movies. He does, which is a thing. Do you remember in the third movie where they have to take Neo to like see the mainframe matrix? That's or the second movie, but yes. Is, no, 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 I'm talking about like the, the, the giant face at the there's end. There's the giant face. Yes, that yes. He sees. Uh-huh. That's 
just like Moses when he like goes on the mountain and wants to see the glory of God. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's let's talk That's about what the agents are or the 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 machines. I guess yeah. you would call them. So this the third point I had is that machines super duper parallel demons. Yeah, super a lot. Okay, sure. so think about this. Agents can embody anyone who is still plugged in and possess them and take over their body and become an agent. Do you, do you understand that? No, I'm with you. So anybody who is still, pl- still not knowing the truth plugged yeah. in is a potentially an agent, they say, right? So if you think about it in terms of uh, demon possession or de- uh, what do they call it? Demonizing somebody, you would then essentially be talking to, a body with a demon in it, right? So, how do agents react in this world? They say, once we've, once we've, uh, they can't embody someone we've already freed. Yeah. And if you think about your Christian theology a little bit, which is also sort of in the air for some people, uh, if you receive the Holy Spirit and you receive the truth of Christ, mm-hmm. you can no longer be demon possessed. Most, most modern yeah. Christians would make that argument, right? So, if you think about the parallel there, he's like, oh, Anyone we haven't unplugged is yeah. potentially an agent. Interestingly enough, uh, later when Neo begins to believe that he is the one and like fully embrace that, mm-hmm. he then jumps into the body of the agent Smith at the end and like expels him from like just yeah. blows him up or whatever. And then it becomes this thing of like nobody else could deal with demons until Neo like. But in the walk of Jesus Christ, he is fully like taking care of demons in a way like uh, 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 the two he guys has power over them. Yeah. And they yeah. go, Oh no, have you come to torture us before our time? It's like yeah. going the pigs then. I won't tell you. Yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's another <laughs> interesting thing to think no, about. No, it definitely is. You know, yeah. you, you, there's definitely some massive parallels there. And of course we know, and I'll wrap this up because we need to get onto the other movies, but the matrix last movie, whether you like it or not, the last movie has him go to, essentially have a like bargain with the machines. As you've said, you know, he goes and has this thing and the face shows up Mm -hmm. and he knowingly sacrifices his life for every person in the matrix. And I'll tell you why that's significant. Once the agent Smith, uh, once he's got this copier thing that he can do, he literally copies everyone in the world. So that's, that's the story. Everyone that's not unplugged is, an eight is is demonized basically if we want to go with my theory there so by sacrificing himself and allowing the machine to like rid every like everybody of the smith thing they all are saved and then unplugged yeah so if you want to parallel that with jesus crucifixion <laughs> essentially he saved everyone are, are, on earth. are they unplugged is everyone then unplugged yeah because at the end uh the oracle's like what's gonna happen now he's like they'll be unplugged obviously it's like one of those things where the machines have to yeah. like get to, that's the conceit they make that they'll be saved now um i don't know if it happens instantly once jesus does that but it's like a byproduct of what he does essentially gotcha and so What's interesting about that is that where there is such a huge problem with sin leading up to Jesus's crucifixion, like I see the Bible, uh, the full story of the Bible as God's constant attempt to figure out how to do like to completely solve the problem of sin. Uh, Cause you see the ark, he's like, all right, we got to start over. We get everybody on the ark. You know, these people are getting washed away and it's like, Oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, we got to knock that place out. And it's, I'm not saying that God was making mistakes. I think that God was teaching us 
through the process yeah. of history. Right, right. That sin is impossible without uh, to to fix without Jesus, without yeah. God coming down. Yeah. And so anyway, that's just another parallel. You know, think about it what you want. There is a lot of other stuff in there, and obviously it's a Hollywood movie, but this is just for fun. We're like theory <laughs> theorizing about stuff. All right. So I talked a crap ton about Matrix. Uh, Zach, do you want to talk a little bit about Star Wars? Because you got the inside track most of the time. Zach is a huge Star Wars fan. I think mostly Star Wars' overall theme, I would not say, is Christian. Because it's about the Force. But it is about faith in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Especially in the original trilogy. um, The the messages that... um, Obi-Wan and Yoda give Luke when they're training him are all about, right. Don't trust in what you see. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. Is what Obi-Wan says. Um, so it's all about, uh, it's all about belief in a higher power. And Han says, kid, (laughs) I've flown. I wrote this down. Kid, I've flown from one side of the galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe. Right. There's an all powerful force (laughs) controlling everything. There's no mystical energy field controls my destiny. It's all a lot of tricks and oh, nonsense. Oh, you, you cynic. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just think that's interesting because of the um, the time period, I guess, which they the portray in 4, 5, and 6, the original movies, is that, like, that thought process has been, has been like, stretched to the wind. You know, like the Jedi are mystical, like, lost thought of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they've, they've really expanded on the Jedi... And have made it a very complex story. But before uh, the prequels were made, when it was just the original three movies. Right. It was very much like the force was much more mysterious. Yes. And actually, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. with Lucas, um, I think he was going for more of like the Tao Tao or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he was definitely influenced. Yeah, he was heavily influenced by Eastern philosophies. Right. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So and you can kind of see that in um, the fact that the force has a dark side and a light side. Yes. This Um, this duelist back and forth. Yeah. And so it's kind of it was more about bringing balance to the force, not necessarily about um, eliminating Jesus evil. winning over evil. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, the only reason yeah. I wanted to talk about Star Wars is because a lot of people do make parallels to it. There are parallels. So like one of them, I think a big one is just a lot of the things that Yoda says. Okay. Yeah. So we'll do, um, uh, Yoda. we'll do some lines from the movie here. Let's hear them. Size matters not. Look at me. Judge me by my size. Do you? Hmm? <laughs> and well, you should not. For my ally is the force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it's like, it's that whole thing. um, That was actually not too bad of a voice there, by the way. So so, luminous beings are we, not this crude crude matter. It's it's like Paul, when he talks about, we have this treasure stored Mm -hmm. in jars of clay. Yes, and, and, and as well as we, the weird vessels, we're vessels for um, the Holy Spirit. We, we have we have this life in us that God has given us, and it's so much more uh, than what you can just see with just your eyes. Well, what's interesting you know? is we talked about that yeah. a few episodes back on the um, Hell Heaven and uh, in between. We talked mm-hmm. about how mm-hmm. uh, the essence that we are is like a body, but it's like sort of imperfect. But then in the very, very mm-hmm. end of time, we will have these like perfected, like holy bodies that are yeah. basically yeah. all spirit and very. Yeah. So yeah. the other thing also, I'll, yeah. um, your the path to the dark side is another thing. Yeah. I want to talk and about that. Yoda talks about that. I think that's actually 
Yeah. That's one of the things he talks about in both the prequels and the original is, um, being brought to the dark side by your own uh, desire for power or right. like whatever tempts you giving into mm. that, you know, you take steps toward playing see, for the other team, so to speak. See, so um, yeah. one of the things our, our a pastor, our pastor friend Jake uh, once told me is he said, like, you know, we, we often like, we'll look at a movie like what we're doing now and mm-hmm. we'll try and find God in it and stuff. But God, God wrote the basic stories of good versus evil. Mm-hmm. And so when you see them re redone in a movie, you're just seeing another version of like a tale from the Lord. And so, uh, these are just our theories, but in a yeah. lot of ways we are getting like, for example, what he just said about, uh, temptation. Yeah. Because, uh, I wanted to talk about Palpatine for a minute because Palpatine yes. is a big, big, big parallel in my opinion of Satan. And I'll tell you why. Because Anakin, though he is a passionate person, for the most part was being good. He was a good guy. And and what happened was Palpatine slowly over the three Mm -hmm. prequels, slowly, slowly turns his thinking until eventually he believes that the Jedi are evil. Twisted his mind. So uh, one of the things that's interesting about the word perversion, I want to I want to look this up real quick. The the definition uh, perversion, um, usually means the alt. Okay. So it says the alteration of something from its original course, meaning or state of distortion or corruption, which was first intended. Um, and so a lot of people think of it as a sexual thing, but in its basis form, perversion is thinking good is bad and bad is good. Like flip flopping. Yeah, absolutely. So when you, when, when something is a perversion of something else, it means that like in Anakin's case, he believes that the Jedi are evil, but they're actually good. But he, his mind was, was altered and twisted. His thought process was slowly by Palpatine to the point where he was ready to kill children, (laughs) you know? And so how, how does that apply to our Christian walk today? There are many people out there who maybe nice people, but they have slowly been. That's one of the things that, uh, that sin does. Uh I I had a professor once who was telling a story about, about one of his friends. And one of his friends was like, uh, um, caught up in, in some bad behavior. I can't remember if it was like infidelity or something like that, but he was caught up in this sin and he's like, you know, I can't, can't stop doing this, but like, what's the problem? It's not hurting anybody or whatever. Yeah. And, um, this professor said, I told my friend, the mistake that you're making is that you don't realize that every time you do this, you are slowly changing yourself. Like you're moving yeah. towards that sin, not away from it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, and so I think that again, it's a, it's evil, as an element in a story can, we can always just kind of connect that to Satan. But I think specifically the Palpatine thing where he deceives, he really does deceive him because he says like, what is the exact quote? He says something along the lines of like, I have studied both the dark (laughs) side and the light side. I do not fear, but the Jedi fear. Yeah. He's Like, like, you can't just see the narrow dogmatic view of the Jedi. Yeah. So it's and what do people who are enemies of like Christianity right. say about Christianity <laughs> that it's narrow, dogmatic, 
Yes. You, and and yeah. also that it embrace a larger view of life. Right. It's it's this idea that you you could learn and be mm-hmm. you could have yeah. the, all the info like the snake says to uh yeah. Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, so uh what what about you Bobby? Do you have any uh, insights in Star Wars? Do you think you see anything in particular that somebody else might have overlooked an element or two? Um, I mean, you, you guys obviously pretty much covered a good chunk of it. Um, but let's not talk about the new ones, by the way. So no, no, but but one area that I do want to talk about is is even despite all the the dualism and back and forth, um, that we, there is still a redemption story here. Ah, thank yeah. you. I forgot to mention the redemption story yes, of Darth Vader. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you get to the to to the third of the originals, uh, so it's four, five, six. The the that uh, that you have this redemption story with Vader. Yeah. You, you have at the last moment. Where he is and where he does, in fact, turn back, where he does, in fact, uh, sacrifice everything that he has worked for, everything he knows to save his son, you know, to to uh, to put him in. please. <laughs> <laughs> the lightning. So it's so it's it's really it's really interesting. The, the that is rede- true. I forgot about the, the, the redemption aspect that, that still comes from it. And so he's kind of a. Uh, he even slightly mourned there at the end on on the fire uh, pier, the uh, the pillar that they build uh, mm-hmm. when when they burn the body. And uh, well, it's it's interesting too that you mention that because um, there is this, I guess you could say, that conversation that Luke and Vader have when they're on Endor, mm-hmm. and he base Luke basically like turns himself in and just says like, you know, he's got himself in handcuffs. He's like, it is too late for me, my son. And he's like, there's good in you. <laughs> yeah. I felt it. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't ru- he hasn't erased it from you completely. And uh Yeah. It's very interesting because there's that movie that we like, which is obviously a Christian movie, or relatively called The Mission, where oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Robert De Niro is like, There is no redemption for me. And then Jeremy Arndt is like, Do you dare try it? <laughs> Mm, yeah. Do you attempt? Do you attempt to be redeemed? <laughs> and so it's like he had to go through a lot of stuff to realize that he hit in his mind the choice that he would make is to uh, save his son. And then at the very very last conversation, he says, "No, you're not going to die here. I'm going to save you." And he's like, "You already have." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he uh, looks like he's got a harmonica holder yeah. around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> okay so so yeah but the, the, the redemption aspect of that is one that i that, I that, that, I, that I thoroughly enjoy and i think is very relevant to this conversation yeah that's definitely a big deal okay moving on lord of the rings let's go because so both, this both, one's too obvious is it <laughs> so I, I, I do think i think that there's a lot of obvious aspects here and, sure, and, and, sure. It, and it's i mean we didn't pretty, want to do wine line of the witch in the wardrobe because that's just straight up uh the, like c.s lewis bible so right so 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 <laughs> but with that being said tolkien was was most certainly a christian as well was good yeah. friends with c.s lewis and so it is no surprise here that you see this similar kind of sure. uh christian themes throughout this film as well so let's let's dig in uh bob yeah, buddy uh how long has it been since you've seen Lord of the Rings, uh, actually last summer, last summer. So Bob, in this story, where what elements do you see that are biblical? What, what biblical parallels and allegories can you can you connect for us? Well, you definitely have the uh, the, the this the liver aspect once again. I mean, out of Frodo, um, where he's he's he, uh, he's kind of chosen by a higher power, chosen by the Ring, as the yeah. story often says. Sure. So the Ring itself has chosen him. Um, and so you see that in this, you see this kind of battle within himself of whether or not to actually uphold this, uh, 
and, yeah. and on top of that, you also got another aspect of it of, um, I see once again, going back to the Moses aspect, you've got his Aaron, his, 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 uh, Samwise. Sure. And so you, you, you got this Aaron who, who's constantly yeah. lifting him up and trying to push him forward to the greater goal that he has, even yeah. though he may not feel qualified to do so. Uh, Aaron was often Moses's mouthpiece at many times. And you don't really yeah. see Sam Wise being the mouthpiece, but you do see He's him kind of the bodyguard in some way. Bodyguard, yeah. kind of the yeah. moral compass, always trying to keep him on the straight and narrow, trying to help him when when, uh, when, when Schmeagle's trying to deceive him. You I see, can't carry the ring for you, Mr. Frodo, Frodo yeah. but, but I, I can, can carry, carry you. you. <laughs> oh, it's such a great line. That's good. Uh, and so, that uh, is a good part. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and so, For uh, sure. Um, so, so, so th- those are some of the obvious aspects of the, the battle of good and evil, yeah. uh, obviously, of, uh-huh. uh, you know, the, 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 the fellowship trying to take on Sauron and his evil forces. And <laughs> I have one that's interesting. Yeah. Um, the, the ring's power over yeah. people is interesting. Because if you think about it, it's, it's like, like the, the ultimate, dark side. It, it is. It is yeah. like the ultimate temptation in the same yeah. way that we talked about Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. there's there's only a few people in the story that are able to like handle the the like the sinister allure of it. Yeah. Yes. The one temptation. Of them, one of them is Aragorn, but even but Gandalf, Aragorn, both of those two admit that if they had like had it, if they actually had the ring, it would super tempt them. It yes. would even tempt them, like, to do good. Yes. Yeah. A- 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 yeah, it's a- like, uh, oh, you have to understand, Frodo, if I had the ring, I would only use it to do good. But, you know, yes. the ring would turn me for evil or whatever. Yeah. Yes. I think Awen also has a similar, you know, yeah. uh, uh, scene where, where, where she's tempted by it. And Frodo almost pretty much hands it over to her. Please take this away from me kind of thing. Oh, oh, um, Galadriel. It was a Gladriel. I, I, yeah. yeah. Gotcha, Gladriel. Yeah, at first I was yeah, like, Gladriel. well, I think Eowyn does see it, but yeah, Gladriel goes like, in the place of a... She goes wild. You will never quit. <laughs> yes. As they turn as the sea. <laughs> they turn the gamma up like 500%. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's a really neat visual effect they do with that, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. But that's... Um, but again, yeah. it's uh, it's a very it's very yeah. much the temptation story. And, and mm-hmm. like, when you think about temptation... Uh, I mean, there's there's even the movies and stuff called like the last temptation of Christ. Mm. And so uh, our original tale, our first big tale of temptation comes from Satan, of course. Um, But I wouldn't call I wouldn't call Sauron Satan as much as like I would say he was just like an evil kind of force. Because apparently, according to the um, what is that word? The The Silmarillion. Silmarillion. He he Sauron. Sauron, I think, is coupled in he's like he's the kind same of a entity demon, right? yeah he's he's kind of like the same entity as like ganoff and a few of these other people that were first there on the on the middle earth or whatever and for those of you who aren't nearly as nerdy as we are the samarillion is literally an encyclopedia of the lord of the rings universe and only a small very small portion of it made it into the lord of the rings itself right. there's an entire encyclopedias of world building that's never really even talked about in most of the other books entirely. And and I would almost like, so one of the things too is like some people make the connection between Gandalf and Jesus. I'm not sure I would. I know that's uh, Oh really? Uh, well, I mean, I'm well, sure Gandalf that, does, does die defeating. He does a demonic force and, and he comes, comes back, back and, yeah. and as I, Gandalf the white. I totally agree with yeah, all of that yeah. stuff, but as a, as a elemental like plot point, um, I, I do see him do a lot more like things like, like a prophet, uh, like Elijah or something like that. Mm, okay. Where he not only has 
wisdom, but he also has like a few faults and he gets like angry and uh, he is, he is trying his best to be like the guide for these adventure groups, but he often has his like own stuff that he's like doing. That's true. He also recognizes he can't carry the ring, but right. Exactly. But um, it, I guess in the Hobbit, I guess he kind of has more of a Christly uh, a bearing because he is, has these like mm. the dwarves that are with him and it's kind of his little like partying group. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I uh, like one of the, one of the very, very special moments of uh, any of the Lord of the Rings movies is that speech that he gives to um, Pippin. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? He gives a speech to Pippin about like what, what comes after you've passed yeah. away. Yeah. Um, hold on. Uh, let me, uh, let me look that up really quick. Um, while you're looking that up. So I asked Jonathan powers about this because he said that he actually did an independent study where he analyzed all of Tolkien's work. Like really? Yeah. He like did that and made it a class when he was in college. (laughs) Oh wow. And, And so I was like, okay, well what was, what was the biggest thing you learned from doing all that? And he said, I found it very interesting that every time that there's a split between like, the characters who you would think are the most important and the unlikely heroes, it always follows the unlikely hero. So like, for instance, in the Hobbit, Gandalf goes off to fight, um, a character called the necromancer. Yeah, that's right. And it's like supposed to be this very important thing, but in the book, you don't actually see any of that happen. It follows the Hobbit and the dwarves instead, or in Lord of the Rings. It's like the ring always goes to, the least important by the world standards character. Yeah. So it's about interesting, like unlikely, the, the least, point of view of the, the least, least of likely, these, the least of these. Yeah, that's right. And so when you think about Jesus, he didn't come as a conquering general or mm-hmm. he didn't come as like the, the literal King. Yeah. Like he came as a small boy who was born to a carpenter family. Right. You know, that's yes. true. So yes. he's, folk, the, folk. he's the unlikely hero. So, so, so that's what good ever came out of Nazareth, right? Yeah. What good ever came out of the Shire? So so that's, that's the other thing too, which is that, um, God calls a lot of unlikely people to do big things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Moses had a speech impediment. Moses, Noah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy was drunk, obviously he, you know, and he's, uh, juggling being a family guy. I mean, there's so many people that get called like, uh, uh, I love the one guy. Ananias, I think is his name. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an ax. Right. And he said, well, he says like, uh, go and tell him that his like blindness is over and whatever. Yeah. He's, yeah and, and he's like, mm, I'm not so sure I want to, I'm kind of afraid of this guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, you, you, oh, to this guy Saul. You, 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 yeah. You, yeah. You, you mean the one that's been killing all of us young Christians. And he calls these people that, I mean, like I said, like Zach just said, it's very unlikely mm-hmm. heroes. And Ananias is somebody you don't really hear from again, but yep. he was he was a tool for God in that moment, even if he didn't realize it, you know, so it's like it's pretty cool. So anyway, the 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 I love the speech, even though it's not necessarily discussing uh heaven or a Judeo-Christian heaven necessarily, it does give hope for people who um you know, think of something beyond and, and, you know, it's Pippin going like, I didn't think it would end this way. And Gandalf is like, and no, the journey does not end here. And he goes on to say, you know, death is just another path. One that we all must take the gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. And then he says, what Gandalf see what? And he goes, 
white shores and beyond a green country under a swift sunrise. I think yeah. that's pretty interesting. Like uh, he's kind of, you know, making a parallel to paradise, I suppose. Um, the, the idea of the uh, curtain being rolled back, I think is interesting too, because there are scriptural parallels to the curtain being rolled back. But anyway, so yeah. Uh, Lord of the Rings. We've already successfully ruined three series for non-Christians. <laughs> now, every time you watch it, you'll be like, oh, now I just see God and everything. Ugh, so annoying. <laughs> All right. Lion King. So Lion King, sh- like uh, Matrix, shares some other religious things, uh, especially because um, it is supposed to be an African tale. Yeah. Uh, and so partially. Well, 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 it's also partially it, it, an anime, right? It, it, yeah, well, Kimba, <laughs> the white lion. <laughs> yes, although although it basically, basically shares in that in name that the story of Kimba isn't really even. Captive. I've never seen. Hold Kimba. on, hold on. I have seen Kimba, and it is a total ripoff. Mm-hmm. Lion King is okay. It, okay, you're, you're right because there is also an, a, a, a uncle Scar, if I'm correct. There is a Scar. He he gets yeah. betra- the, he betrays the dad. He goes away. He grows up. He fights the scar uncle. Right, but but it's but the storyline the under, the theme the theme is quite right. similar. Right, right, right. But the story well, is quite the story is different. You've seen Kimba? Yeah. Okay. I've yeah, never the seen elements Kimba. are the same, but the story. He's right. The story, but it is basically different. rips off Hamlet. Which we know in a ha- lot of ways. Hamlet is just ripping off Sons of Anarchy. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so. No, Sons of Anarchy really is like a Hamlet story, especially the first couple seasons. Why? Because yeah. of uh, it's like, yeah, uh, the main character my fist. put some put some stuff in my fist because I'm still the leader. Here. Yeah, the main character, Jax Teller, um, his dad died under very suspicious circumstances, motorcycle accident that was very convenient. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. he's trying to figure out the truth. And meanwhile, like the dad's best friend, Ron Perlman, who looks I'm scary just in his I'm, I'm tough guy I'm the Ron Perlman <laughs> I got a big jaw <laughs> <laughs> so okay so moving forward to yeah. Lion King here's what I'll say um one of the things I notice right away obviously is that they talk about the circle of life and so typically if you are a non-Christian you can at least relate to the circle of life because a lot of non-Christians will say your energy is like distributed back mm-hmm. to the world so, like I said, you know that, what I want to become when I die? What I want to become a tree, yeah, so I can do some good, yeah, because that's all that happens is yeah. you just die, and then there's blackness and there's nothing left. And so, so one of the one person might make the argument that the story is about that, but mm. if you watch twenty minutes into the movie, you will notice that when Mufasa is is passes away, uh, spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. (laughs) He then becomes a spiritual guide for his son. Mm -hmm. And one of the big elements there with that is that some people have said that Mufasa is more like Jesus. um, And Simba is like the the people of the world. And it's Mm. like, you know, Jesus sacrifices himself to save Simba and then guides him for the majority of his upbringing. Well, it is interesting. I've never really thought about, it talks about the circle of life. Okay. You die, you become the grass and the antelope eat the grass um, in this big (laughs) never ending circle. But then like Mufasa is still alive. He's in you. 
Right. You know? And so in a way there is an afterlife in the crazy monkey. So, yep. 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 And so another, another big aspect of the lion King, which again, this is just us, you know, observing a few things, but another great thing about the lion King is that, um, scar after betraying Mufasa Mm -hmm. assumes command of like the peoples of their community. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so both the hyenas and the lions pretty much have to listen to him. Sure. And over time he like ruins their whole community. There's like no Mm -hmm. food. Like obviously that happens in Shakespeare too. It does. Yeah. It describes how like the kingdom goes into a famine and stuff. Right. Cause there's a bad King. Right, but yeah. if we think about the end times prophecy, there is a time when Satan will come and rule over yeah. the people, and it will like make everything terrible. The, well, the, 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 the it, thousand year, yeah, reign. The thousand even year reign. even like the bad kings in scripture have that happen. Like, oh, right. well, we went to Egypt, and there was a bad pharaoh, so there was famine. And stuff. Yeah, well, see, yeah. I mean, and 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 so he leads the community astray and Simba runs. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it this way, again, this is very loose, but if you think about it this way, Mufasa and Simba technically could both be seen as Jesus and that Simba coming back to like, again, reign over is Jesus coming back after the thousand year reign of Satan and saving the people. Run away scar and never return. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's sad is that, um, Somebody told me this too, and I thought I haven't seen the new CG, one, like the new um, real one with CG mm-hmm. or whatever. But Jeremy Irons wanted to play Mufasa, and they didn't let him. And I was like, yeah. "Bro, you gotta let Jeremy Irons <laughs> play in there." I think it's so funny that it's referred to as the live action Lion King. Oh my god! <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> Don't get me started on this, man. It's it's yeah. it's very frustrating. Yeah. But but here's here's what I'll say: If Mufasa is a guiding spirit for the developing world uh, as, you know, the world goes into ruin. We have this like hope of a returned savior in Simba. And then when Simba is adult and comes back, it's kind of like sort of like the new Mufasa, the new prophecy or whatever you want to say. Again, it's very, very loose, but uh, we are we pick these specifically because they are ones Christian communities have talked about as allegory. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the Lion King is one of the ones that a lot of people talk about. So there you go. Cool. And yeah, there's also Moses parallels there too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Which in that w- w- he's he is uh, goes out from the community, is exiled, yes. just like That's Moses right. was. Yeah, runs away from his his roles and responsibilities, and finds a new family yep. somewhere else. Yep, and yeah. then and then later in life is then returned to that community to deliver yeah. them from the evil that they're under. Yep, I mean, we could go on and on and on about it. There's but but I mean, but it's obviously you're always going to see the Moses parallels because of the fact that that Jesus was the next Moses delivering True. the people. True, right? So you could see a Jesus and a Moses parallel. Yeah, because yeah, they parallel each other. But yeah. That's cool. So a half Moses, half Hamlet. There you go. Half <laughs> anime from Kimba the White Lion. So Walt Disney once said, I believe firmly in the efficiency of religion in its powerful mm. influence on a person's whole life. It helps immeasurably to meet the storm and stress of life and keep you attuned to the divine inspiration. This leads me to believe that Walt Disney. Oh, well, this is 
this is not Walt Disney talking now. It's the article I'm reading, but um, I, I, I guess he, like I said, I think that a lot of good versus evil elements and stories that we knew growing up draw on the classic good versus evil stories of the scriptures. Absolutely. This, this leads me to believe that Colin can find hidden God messages in almost in anything. Movies. Yeah. in almost anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so speak, speaking of finding the hidden ones in, in movies, okay. well, let's, let's talk about the next one. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Because so, I'll be um, honest, I, I, okay. I, I, I was actually very, very skeptical of this one as we were preparing for this episode. It's like, yes. I don't know about this one. I mean, I, this is more like a scene issue than it is really a theme. But then Colin started laying out his points. It's like, oh, my goodness. He's he, 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 he's got something <laughs> yeah. here. He's the first really, thing, really got the first thing here. my mind went to was the obvious Lieutenant Dan story. Well, yeah, he makes his peace. He with makes God. his peace with God after he was wrestling with God for right. a long time. So, yeah. um. So here's, here's go for it, Colin. Yes. Take it away. Sure. Here's the thing about Forrest Gump in in total. So when he is, when the story begins, he is on a, he is on the uh, bus bench and he is telling stories of his life. Right. Absolutely. And so we first, we first get this idea that um, he is this goofy, awkward guy and he tells his whole life story, but throughout his entire life story, there is this theology in the movie and if you're familiar with Forrest Gump if you've watched it pretty recently you would understand what I'm talking about essentially it's this idea of destiny mm-hmm. versus no destiny at all and so the the issue that Forrest Gump runs into towards the end like because it the whole movie proclaims that he's kind of stupid and as a result it gets him into crazy hijinks where he ends up being this impressive human being who has conquered yeah. all these different well things Forrest Gump I always say has a superpower and Forrest Gump's superpower is following instructions yeah <laughs> like it's why he's really <laughs> to good a he's really good as a football player he's he runs when they tell him to run and yep. he does it very good he's good when he joins the army like he's able to uh, put together the gun in like 12 seconds or whatever and he's able to you know, keep himself safe in Vietnam because he's listening to Lieutenant Dan. And then he keeps himself out of danger because Jenny told him to run. Right. And so like, he's always following instructions. Like he's just, he, that's a superpower. Like some people can't follow <laughs> instructions. <laughs> so there are, there are right. Exactly. That is very true. Yeah. <laughs> and what's interesting is that, I mean, if you really want to think about it, Forrest Gump would probably be a pretty good Christian in that regard because <laughs> he would just be like, oh, well, this the scripture's telling me to do this. Yeah. But um, so here's 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 one of the big plots of the entire film that Bob said he, he wasn't really catching on to until I brought it up. But this idea of destiny versus no destiny at all. Now, throughout the film, Forrest Gump lays a lot of truths out there, like these great quotable uh-huh. quotes. Yeah. So one of them is mama always said, you've got to put the past behind you before you can move on. I think that's what my running was all about. He says, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Yeah. Which if you think about that allegorically, you don't have to use your brain to like, to know what love is, to know what your love is in a lot of ways. You can't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so the one big important caveatic, uh, a message of the entire film can be summed up in his conversation with Jenny in the grave at the very end of the film, mm-hmm. after he discusses little forest being so great and all this stuff. And he says, he misses her. He says, I don't know. 
if each of us has a destiny or if we're just floating around accidental on a breeze, but maybe it's both because his mom said we all have a destiny and Lieutenant Dan says that he has a destiny, but then his Lieutenant, he loses his faith in his destiny. He had his own idea of what his destiny was. Right. Well, see, that's the very, very important thing. Lieutenant Dan decides because there's he that wanted point. to decide his own destiny. Right. So he yeah. says he says when he first meets Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan tells him or well, he, he doesn't tell him that. Yeah. But he, Forrest Gump uh, finds out that all of his ancestors all the way back had died in a, every single war in America. A dozen Gary Sinise's all died. Eat it in every war. Yeah. One after the other. And so it's Vietnam and he he is supposed to die. But Forrest yeah. Gump saves him. And for the longest time, not only does he resent that Forrest Gump saved him, but he also kind of resents his life after that. Like he, he does. Just, yeah. He he decides that his life is over and whatever. And he just kind of. And so then there's a very pitiful part, which, again, is another religious thing you guys may not have thought of. There's a part on New Year's where Lieutenant Dan yeah, is sitting yeah. there watching the TV and he goes, have you found Jesus yet? Gump? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Have you found Jesus? And then he goes, Oh, you know, yeah. I I, I don't know. I was supposed to be looking for him. You know, and they're, they're in that, um, that scene where it's there in the snow and, um, he's wheeling Lieutenant Dan across the street with all that, uh, snow falling down yeah. in the middle of New York city. Yeah. That was in Hollywood, California where they filmed that. And that it is. was tons and tons of fake snow. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So also, so, so also in that part, um, he said that, uh, the pastor or the preacher person says, um, when we die, uh, we will walk beside him in you the kingdom that? of heaven. Walk. Walk beside yeah. him. What a bunch of crap. So he just yeah. goes on this long rant yeah. about how that is bull crap. Mm-hmm. And that's when he decides that destiny is bull crap. Mm-hmm. But then your part you talked about where he survives again, the boat thing with, mm-hmm. with Forrest Gump. It is because he says... I'm going to be a fishing boat captain because, because uh, what's his name? Could it yes. be Bubba Gump? Yeah. yeah, because Bubba. Bubba, Bubba Gump. Uh, yeah, or, or, sorry, not Bubba Gump. Bubba, Bubba, just Bubba. Bubba, yes. He couldn't be, and he's like, yes. the day you're a fishing boat captain, I will be your first mate. Mm-hmm. And he goes through that whole thing, and at the end, he makes his peace with God. And there again, it's very, yeah. very religious because he is involved mm-hmm. in church for a good majority of his life. Yeah. And at the end, uh, it's kind of this idea that Lieutenant Dan has that it's kind of like, like Zach said, he had an idea for his destiny, but there was other plans. Yeah. And at the very, very end, he says, I don't know if we're, if, if we have a destiny, if we're just yeah. floating along on a breeze, but I think it's both. Yeah. Because he realizes that, you know, uh, I don't know if it's Calvinism or Arminianism, <laughs> but I think maybe it's both. And so in a lot of ways, <laughs> it, it brings up a really, really strong yeah strong question about faith. I mean, it's yeah. very, very uh, profound. And, and that is the mystery that we are left to wrestle with as Christians, because exactly we don't, right. we don't see it all. God doesn't reveal like the entire plan to us. We both have free will and God. We has have free will and God has a plan. Kind of plan. God, God talks about our free will all the time. He says like, choose me, you know, but yeah. then he also talks about, this is the plan I have for you, That's it. you know? And so, like, how does that all work together? We can't know that. Yeah, and we so, really can't. and I think it's okay for Christians to live in the, like, it's okay to be like Forrest Gump and say, yeah. 
both maybe i don't know yeah because it's a mystery we're not meant to know it and so part of that's part of faith right is living into this tension it's like um Mm -hmm. a lot of like highly liturgical like fancy people um talk about this thing called the already and not yet so it's like the kingdom of god has come like jesus has has come to us in the flesh he's won the victory um, and so we have this, but also when you look around the world, like sometimes it doesn't look like Jesus has won yep. because bad stuff still happens and there's still sin out there. And so there's a reality and another reality and they both are working at the same time. Now, there you go. We can't know how that works because we're not God. Now, obviously yeah. in this film, uh, Forrest has a very low IQ. It's brought up multiple times, especially yeah. at the very beginning. It's obvious yeah. that he's got um, a mental disability. Um, that gives him sure. very much yeah. a childlike attitude. Yeah. Could we argue that's kind of the, the faith of a child that Jesus is looking for? There you go. That Jesus is looking for a whole bunch of Forrest Gumps? I mean, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> well, there's all those, there's all those like jokes about like Forrest Gump goes and talks to St. Peter. Have you heard any? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've like, heard those. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, whenever somebody writes like a, somebody talks to St. Peter joke, it's like they always make Forrest Gump the main character. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because they know he's got that faith. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to heaven, Lieutenant Dan. Well, before you go there, you might want to go out and get us another bottle of bourbon. (laughs) It's such a great movie. Oh, Oh my gosh. All right. So we'll wrap it up there. Um, We're pushing time. So I'll just say thank you for listening. This was just our little insight on a few great movies. Um, We may have a chance to do this again. Uh, Maybe pick another five or. uh, Yeah. But this was just our chance to pick some uh, non-Christian movies that have really good Christian messages in them. So there you go. Um, Thank you for listening. Let us tell you for a second about all American skin cream. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, please. We're not going there. No, no. Listen here, folks. No, no. The globalists are. No, 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 no. You want to defeat that liberal agenda, you'll buy the skin cream made in America. Buy it now. Oh my goodness. (laughs) God bless, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Yeah, buddy.